All right, well, let's pray and then we'll get started. Oh, Heavenly Father, today is another day that we live on this earth, Lord. Your word says that it is in you that we live and move and have our being, and that apart from you, we can do nothing. But your word also says that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us, Lord. So we realize, Lord, that on a daily basis, Lord, we live life in one of two ways, either submitted and committed to you and following you, or just kind of going in our own direction, choosing our own way, God. This morning, though, we pause to acknowledge you in our lives and to open your word and to study your word. We believe in the power of your word. I pray that your word will have its effect in our hearts and minds as we gather here this morning. Lord, you know each and every one of us in this room, Lord, better than we even know ourselves, Lord. You see deep within our hearts, and I pray that your word will work within us this day, deep within our hearts and in our minds. Your will be done, we pray. We acknowledge you in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we will take a look at Matthew chapter 4. So if you haven't already, you can go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Um, Yeah, Matthew chapter 4. And uh, we'll go ahead and just jump right on into verse 1 here. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So as we came out of Matthew chapter 3, we saw how Jesus had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The same thing that John the Baptist had told others, had prophesied to others that Jesus would do for us, right, for the believer in him. John said of himself that he indeed baptized with water unto repentance, but he, speaking of Jesus, John says, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And now we see here in chapter four that Jesus is now led by the Holy Spirit. But it's interesting, isn't isn't it, that the, the Spirit is the one leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But we must keep in mind that this is all a part of a much greater plan. Jesus, though he is Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, right? He walked this earth as every bit a man a human being, just like you and me here are today. We must also keep in mind that the devil is constantly seeking to tempt us in one way or another. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, it tells us to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So we have to keep that in mind, that there is an enemy to our soul. There is an enemy to our everyday life that wants to keep us off the path to Christ, off of the narrow path that Jesus talks about. And he wants to keep us distracted. So we have to be vigilant, right? Knowing that he roams around seeking whom he may devour. 
But you know, there is a solution to the problem. That is, there is a solution, there is a way, right, to keep the devil from devouring you. And we will see that here in a few moments as we go on. But verse 2 continues and says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. So there we see that while Jesus was here on the earth, he could experience hunger. We also know that he experienced human emotions, right? He got tired. He wept. He laughed. But we also know that Jesus is our example today. And we see here that he knew the importance of fasting, fasting from food. That is ignoring the physical needs of the body from time to time. And fasting from food is something that is important for us to do from time to time. Taking the time to just to seek God, to seek the leading of the Holy Spirit to rely upon him, right, as Jesus is doing here. But here he is hungry, and verse 3 then says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, we know that Jesus could have done that if he wanted to, couldn't he? He was able to turn those stones into bread, right? He turned water into wine, so why could he not turn stones into bread? That would have been easy for him to do, but he was never going to give in to the will of the devil. He was going to perform the will of the Father God in his life, right? Just because Jesus was experiencing the physical feeling of hunger did not mean that he needed to satisfy that desire at that given moment. I think oftentimes we think that because we desire something at a given moment, that somehow that means that we need it, right? Oh, I need this, right? The lust of the eye tells us I need that thing. The lust of the flesh says I've got to have this or that. And the pride of life says, I deserve it. And so, why not? Why not me? Why can't I have it, right? This would describe a person that is led more by the flesh than they are by the Spirit. And at any given time, we can fall into that, being flesh-led people, because we're not focused and committed to being led by the Spirit of God. A person that has trained themselves to to go after and to constantly seek out worldly things, always having their mind fixed on things. And this world will scream at us with things, right? There'll be advertisements there in print, on the television, popping up on your internet, all kinds of things to try and get you to go a certain way. Now, I'm not saying that everything is sin. I'm not saying that You know, for example, if vacation pictures pop up and then you say, oh, I want that vacation. Oh, that's sin to go on that vacation. That's not the point. The point is, is have we trained ourselves to be people that are constantly wanting of wantingness? There is no end. In other words, you want, you you obtain, you want, you obtain, you and of wantingness, there is no end, right? Poor men want to be rich, rich men want to be king, and a king ain't satisfied till he rules everything, right? So, 
you know, we have to train ourselves to be spiritual people as well. And we do that by taking time to seek after the things of the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh. Think about this. Romans chapter 8 verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. So there's a difference. Where do we set our minds, right? And we know from scriptures that Jesus has taught us to do what? To seek after the kingdom of God, to make that the priority in our lives, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then he says he'll add to you all the things that you need in this life. Okay, food, clothing and shelter. God will take care of us, but he wants our hearts right. He wants our focus right as we go through this life. We are to daily trust in God and to be led by the spirit. I often talk about being led by the Spirit as opposed to being led by the flesh. And if you allow ourselves, if we allow ourselves to be led by the flesh rather than the Spirit, we will fall into many temptations and we'll be setting ourselves up to be devoured by the devil. Okay? If, however, you submit yourself to be led by the Spirit... You may, lack, you may suffer the lack of certain things in this world, but you will find in yourself that there's a peaceable fruit of righteousness that's at work within you. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 says, no chastening, okay, no discipline, right? How, you know, we, we, we really need to discipline ourselves in this life, right? No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, right? When we set our minds on the things of this world and they begin to consume us, and maybe we go out and we get in what's called consumer debt, and we find ourselves more and more in debt, and now we don't sleep at night, and now we always have to check our bank accounts, and we're always worried about that kind of stuff, and it weighs us down, there's no peaceable fruit within us as a result of that. And that starts by being led by the lust of your flesh, the lust of your eye. I see that. I want that. I got to have that, right? But those that train themselves differently uh, have peace within them. A question that I will ask you here this morning is, have you, have we, I'll ask myself as well, have we disciplined ourselves? Have we trained ourselves to be led by the Spirit or have we allowed ourselves to become a people that are more led by the flesh, seeking the things of this world and therefore we get bogged down by it and we lose our peace? It's really simple to evaluate ourselves spiritually. What are we seeking after most in this life? The things of God, or the things of this world. And that's why it's important to sometimes fast, right? To, to turn the world off, to make ourselves experience hunger, for example, a lack, and to seek God, and, and to really focus on where we are spiritually, right? As opposed to just constantly feeding ourselves, whether it's the things of the world, the things we want to buy, the money we want to spend, or the food we eat, whatever it is, right? Do we fulfill our our uh, fleshly desires in this life, or are we seeking to be filled and to be led by the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? 
So if we're living in a more fleshly manner, a more self-seeking manner, right? And, and we are therefore, we can set ourselves up to be devoured by the devil, right? What's the solution? I said earlier, there's a solution. Jesus says in verse four, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So first of all, notice that Jesus understand, he understands that mankind needs food. He did not say that man does not live by bread at all, but that man can, cannot live by bread alone, okay? So we need food. Of course, the physical body has its needs, but there's more to this life than that which is physical, okay? That's important to keep in mind. There's more to this life than that which is physical, that which we can see with our eyes and such, right? Remember, we're created in the image of God, and God is a spirit, and we therefore are not just flesh, bone, and blood, right? We need the same food that Jesus was living off of here, right? And that, of course, is the Word of God. We need to feed ourselves spiritually, right? We, we should have God's Word richly indwelling us by the working of His Holy Spirit. We should make it our priority to seek God and to know and to understand His will for our lives on a daily basis. And the question is, is how much do we desire to know His will? Are we willing to give up things of this world to seek the will of God? Not, not just one day a week, though, like we gather here on Sunday mornings, right? Not just every two weeks or every two months, but every single day of our lives, we need to place God as a priority. We should be seeking our daily bread from God. And it is foolish to think that we do not have an enemy in the devil that wants to devour us because he does. And he wants to sidetrack it. He just wants to get us off just a little bit to where we go down the wrong path in life and our eyes are fixed on the wrong thing and our minds, get, our thoughts get set on the wrong thing and we're following the devil before we knew it. Then verse 5 then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Look at what Satan's doing. Look at what the devil's doing. He's quoting the word of God. He's bringing the word of God. There's a lot of people out there quoting the Word of God and, and professing and even from behind the pulpit preaching the Word of God, but they're doing it in a materialistic way. They're doing it in a way that's all about getting rich, right? And making money and having things and all that, right? But do you ever sometimes get tempted to, to just throw caution to the wind? That's kind of what I picture here with Jesus on this high pinnacle and the devil saying to him, go ahead, throw yourself down, jump down. It's like, ah, go ahead, you, you, you feel like just throwing caution to the wind, right? To, to not look before you leap, to just make a decision in haste. And I believe that we should take all of our decisions in life before God and pray. Should, should I do this? 
Should I move here? Should I buy this house? What's your will for my life? God, what should I do, right? But sometimes we can throw caution to the wind to be so tempted by something that we just say, ah, oh, God will understand. God, by his grace, he'll cover me in this, in this decision. And I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to jump into it. I'm just going to go ahead and do this. But Jesus said to him, it is written again. So Jesus used the word of God, though Satan's using the word of God against him. He's saying, oh, no, no, but it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, right? And again, the important thing is here that Jesus is staying the course of what is written. And again, it's important to us that we realize if we're going to profess to be Christians, then we have to live that out daily. We have to seek God daily, bring our decisions, bring our lives, bring everything before Him. Sometimes we can wonder, how are, why are things so chaotic? You know, why, is, why does all my money just seem to be gone? Well, are we seeking wisdom for what we're doing with our money? Are we seeking wisdom for our jobs? Are we seeking wisdom for where we go and what we do, right? Battling the devil uh, with in a way that's not with human intellect, not with human emotions, but rather sticking to the will of God. That where's the will of God found for us? It is written. That's where it's found. It's found in what is written. It's found in the Word of God. It's easy to put yourself in a position where you are tempting God by arrogantly thinking that you can at any time control what God does or God does not do. If I make this move, I know God's got my back. That's not how God works. It's not about us making the decision. It's about Him being King. It's about Him being Lord. It's about Him being God, right? And us being submitted to Him, right? What is written should supersede every decision in our lives. You know, you get in the, those positions in life sometimes where you think, well, this will be okay. You know, I'm going to just tell this little lie here, this little what we would call white lie or whatever about this thing briefly so that I can prove a point or I can get what I want here. And you can say, well, God has my back on this. I'm covered by his grace. Again, what the devil was tempting Jesus with, with here was not completely untrue. Right? He could have turned the stones to bread, like I said. He could have jumped off to this high point of the temple here and been okay. But what's important is to live by the Word of God, and that's what Jesus is pointing out here. Right? We cannot bend. We cannot give in at all, even an inch of our lives, to what the devil wants. If we give in to the devil, if you give him an inch, He'll take a mile, right? We need to be unbending, unwavering in our commitment to live our lives according to the word of God. The word continues here in verse 8 and says, Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Now there's so much to learn in verses 8, 9, and 10 there. First of all, Satan has a certain amount of power 
over the kingdoms of this world, right? And he makes things look enticing, right? That is, he makes them look like they have a little bit of glory to them, a little bit of shine. He has the, the power to entice you and me with things that are seemingly glorious. Look how good this is. There's nothing wrong with this. You can have this, right? It's like when Satan came to Eve in the garden and said to Eve, has God said? In other words, God told Adam and Eve what they could and could not do in that garden. And Satan comes and says, really? Has God said that? You know, so Satan wants to show us things and then say, oh, come on. It's not that bad. He makes them seem glorious in this world. He can tempt you and me to take our eyes off of the glory of God and to place them on the glory of this world, the shiny things of this world, right? And if you do so, you will then be bowing down and worshiping Satan rather than bowing down and worshiping God. But so many of us fall into this. We, we, we seek after money. We seek after houses. We seek after cars. We seek after ungodly relationships. We get into relationships with people that we never should, right? Again, it's all the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. I see it. I want it. I've got to have it. It looks so good. It feels so right. It just can't be wrong, right? This is the power of the devil at work in our lives. This is how he works, And it is the person that sticks to what is written that will overcome the temptation that leads to being devoured by the devil. It's not just bread alone. In other words, it's not just the things of this world that we need every day to sustain our lives. It's not just this world. We need more than that. We need more than that. And we need that which is written by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's what we need to base our lives on. Then then verse 11, then the devil left him and and behold, angels came and ministered to him. You know, we cannot underestimate what this 40 days was like for Jesus. We only get a small glimpse of it here of what it really was, I'm sure. He was tempted in all ways, the Bible says, like as we are, yet he remained without sin. But the point that God wants us to learn here from his word this morning is that we must live according to what is written and to not allow ourselves to give in to temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. In other words, we all deal with it. Right? Sometimes we get in things and we say, oh, I'm the only one in this. I've not, no one else has ever been through this or whatever. Right? But no temptation has overtaken you except such is common to man. It says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So every time in this life, that you are tempted, God has already provided a way of escape for you to get out of that. Where do we find out how to do that? Where do we find out how to get out of these things in this world? In the written word of God is where we find it. He's not left us comfortless and alone, the Bible says. He's given us of His Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead us, and we find what the Holy Spirit has written 
in the Word of God, right? Through men that the Holy Spirit used to do so. But we're all tempted in this life to stray from the will of God. But there's no excuse for us to fall into this temptation completely. In other words, to jump in both feet, right? Because there is a way out every time we're tempted. And the way out is to allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit and to stand upon the Word of God. Now here in this chapter, we'll see that some time has gone by and the story of the work of John the Baptist in this world is coming to a close. I talked a few weeks back about how important John the Baptist's role was in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had a message of what? A message of repentance. And he was sent to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus Christ. We will see as we go on that Jesus too will preach a message of repentance. Repentance is the beginning of the gospel. A person has not truly received the gospel if they have not repented of their sin. Repentance precedes the filling of the Holy Spirit in one's life. This is why the message and the work of John the Baptist was so great. Verse 12 goes on and says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Now, from a human emotion standpoint, we may read this and we, we may say, now why didn't Jesus do something to help John here? Well, because simple, it's not the will of God. It wasn't God's will for this. John's life had a purpose and had a plan and he fulfilled it. You see, we've got to understand something in this life and, and that is what is written in the book of Isaiah, and I'll, I'll read it to you here. Now, as a matter of fact, I want to have you turn there. Go ahead and mark this page and find Isaiah chapter 55, because I want you to go through this with me. 55? Yes, Isaiah 55. Old Testament book. Isaiah chapter 55. And we'll start reading down in verse 7. So Isaiah 55, 7. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now that speaks of what? Repentance and forgiveness. Forsake your wicked and your unrighteous ways, and even forsake your thoughts, right? In other words, you get to a place in life where everything's changing. You're completely changing, right? And it's very important to realize how your thoughts play a part in who you are, you know, because you, you may have had something ingrained in you all your life from a child, from your childhood, a certain manner of thinking, a way of life, right? But when we come to Christ, we're forsaking everything. And we're saying, I'm coming to you new, Lord. Romans chapter 12, right, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
And do not be conformed to this world. And this is what we're talking about this morning. I'm reading to you now from, I'm quoting to you now from Romans chapter 12, right? It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So everything about our entire being turns to God. Complete repentance, right? We turn from, it's all about me. It's all about what I want to do. It's all about what I want to have. It's all about what I think, my own emotions and all that. No, we turn away from that and everything, our physical body, our thoughts, our minds, everything, right? Why? Well, verse eight here in Isaiah says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. You see, our natural lives are contrary to the Lord's ways. Our natural thoughts are not His thoughts. Our natural ways are are not His ways. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You, don't, you do not do the things that you want to do if you're led by the Spirit. On the other hand, you do the things you want to do. You live the way you want to do. It's not about God's thoughts. It's not about His ways. It's about your way when you live according to the flesh. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that the natural man, that is the fleshly man, the unborn again, unregenerated person, right? The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I just read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We have the mind of Christ. That is that person that has been born again, that has repented, that has turned their life over to God. Right? If a person has not been born again, then they're, then they're just operating in this world as a natural man, as a human fleshly being led by their own thoughts, led by their own desires. Mankind, whether male or female, living in this world, being led by their flesh rather than being led by the Spirit, are living a life contrary to the will of God. Isaiah 55 verse 9 continues. Think about this as we read it, right? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isn't it amazing that God has to, in his word, remind us of this? Hey, I'm above. I'm above all else. You're below. I know everything. You know nothing. You know, right? He's reminding us of this. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, verse 10, for, for as the rain comes down, so he's given an example here, right? As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. What did Jesus say? Man shall not live by every word or by bread alone, excuse me, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, right? 
so shall my word be. And this is what God's comparing, like the rain and the snow that comes down and replenishes the earth, right? So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The rain prospers. The the rain accomplishes something. It waters the grass. It waters the garden. It waters things, right? It accomplishes something, right? So Jesus said, like I already said there, we can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But we must be a person that is committed to being led by the Spirit. And the starting point, it all begins with repentance, right? Committing your ways to God. Sometimes when when someone preaches a message or teaches a message like I'm talking about right now, it's difficult for even me when I talk about it because it's it's not that I'm pointing a finger at people and saying, repent. No, it's it's just that I'm saying we all have to search our hearts and say, what's in me? Am I really seeking God with every aspect of my life? You know, am I doing that? It's okay to do that with, with, you know, with ourselves from time to time, right? There's so much that we can learn from from what we're studying here today. Let's go ahead and flip back to Matthew chapter 4 now. And we'll pick it up in verse 13. So Matthew 4, 13, it says, and leaving Nazareth, right? he's speaking of Jesus here, right? And, leaves, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We talked the last time we gathered together, I talked about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, how those Those terms are used interchangeably. They mean one in the same thing. And I talked in our last study about how we are to live in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, right? But there we see it again, don't we? Repentance. For the light of the Lord to shine in our lives, we must repent. To be set free from sitting in darkness and to have the light dawn in our lives, it must start with repentance. Again, committing every aspect of our lives to the Lord God. Verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. What do we see there? Jesus speaks, and these men drop everything else, and they follow him because he said so. We know, we, we find out later in Scripture that Peter had a wife, right? But he, he's dropping everything. I mean, he, he's dropping everything to follow Jesus here. 
their lives would never be the same as a result of the following the, the word of God, Jesus Christ. Peter didn't leave his wife behind. She traveled with him. Later, we'll f- you find that in scripture as well. But the point is, he left his job. He left everything. And I'm not telling you to leave your job today, but I'm saying... Commit your life completely to Christ. That's what we're getting a picture of here. Going on, verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So they didn't just leave their job. They left their dad. They left their family business behind. Right? All, you know, at all cost, we must follow the Lord. Verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So Jesus, the power of God, Jesus, the Word of God, Jesus, who is he to you today? Are you willing to lay down your life completely to follow Jesus, to follow the will of God? Right? If not, then we're really not following Jesus because Jesus gave examples of, of anyone that puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. He wants us to come to him wholeheartedly, right? Have you truly repented, right, from all your unrighteous ways? Have you truly been born again of the Spirit? Do you have the mind of Christ? Are you led by the Spirit? The Word of God can answer all of those questions for us as it pertains to our lives and tell us how to do it, right? It is written. And if we are living by bread alone, that is living only by the things of this world and only by our own thoughts and our own mind and the things that we want to do, right? Making emotional decisions and giving in to fleshly desires, then we're only being led by the flesh and not by the Spirit. And I exhort you this morning to once again examine yourself as to whether or not you are truly walking as God would have you to walk. Take a look at the Word of God deeper than you ever have before. Spend time in the Word of God and in prayer. Go on a fast, be it a fast from food, a fast from television, right? The internet, whatever it is. But we must seek the Lord with all of our lives to know His will for our lives. And we've got to immerse ourselves in His Word. And we will be amazed by the spiritual fruit that that will be produced in our lives, that will be yielded as a result. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank You, Lord. It's just such a short time that we spend here, Lord, a half hour or more, Lord, in your word, Lord. But yet we need, as the old song says, Lord, we need the every hour, Lord. And I take it even further than that for myself. I need you every moment, every breath I take, Lord. We need you. 
Lord, because your word is truth and your word says that apart from you, we can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us, Lord. So again, as I prayed before this teaching, Lord, take a look at our hearts, Lord. And by your spirit, burn away all of that, Lord, which is, is not of your will, Lord. Burn away those fleshly thoughts of ours, those fleshly desires, that the, the thing, the, the sin that so easily besets us, that we could lay that aside and that we could serve you with our whole lives. Lord, that your will would be done in every aspect of our lives, that we may know your peace, that we may know your joy, that we, we may know the comfort of your Holy Spirit at work within us. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for this time here this morning in your word. Your will to be done in the coming week in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.